practice operations is really about creating value through development and integration of knowledge and resources. So driving success and resiliency throughout the firm. And it's a functional area, but it's still a strategic functional area. And an example of operational strategy is typically, you know, how well could we do our work? And what do we need to do in order to drive innovation and operational excellence? And a lot of us spend time worrying about, you know, what has just happened or what happened in the past, as opposed to thinking about what could we do in order to improve this in the future? I love that in Jessamine and Andy's conversation too, about looking forward and recognizing what has happened, but learning from that, moving forward and being agile, creating their playbook and pencil so they can adjust as they move along. Welcome everyone to Section Cut, our first ever conference dedicated to the stories of leaders who are innovating on practice operations. Welcome back everyone. What an amazing start. And we have an incredible session up now. It's my pleasure to welcome our next speakers, Marjan Pearson, founder of Talent Star, and George Valdez, head of marketing at Monograph, to give us an inspiring look at the exciting future of practice operations. Please join me in welcoming to the stage, George and Marjan. Thank you, Gio. Amazing conversation with Rios in Second Studio. Just incredible. Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited today to be joined by Marjan Pearson to talk about the future of practice operations. We're going to go through a quick presentation, and we'll pick up a couple questions at the end. So let's get this started. Marjan, Great. thank you. Great to be here. Loved listening to Justin and Andy, who are Rios is one of our clients, and they are just as fabulous to work with as they sounded in the, in the conversation. So today, we're talking about practice operations, the future of practice operations. And George, why don't you start us off? Yeah. So essentially, um, in thinking through about what the future of operations means, I think this kind of outline will help guide us. We want to talk about how do we enable the future? What does the future actually mean for us? Um, and how, do we, how should we be thinking about it? How does practice operations unlock growth? So when you're focusing on operations, what does it mean for the business and its future you know, through, through that lens? And how do we design a firm organization and culture to create value for all stakeholders? I think Rios was a great example you know, for those that were able to catch it that we could use as a lens too. Absolutely. I wanted to start out with some basics. You know, as I always say, I'm a boomer, so I explain. And I always talk about practice leaders which is different from practice operations. So I thought it might help to understand the way I think about it, the way we think about it in the work that we do with firms. So we see practice leaders as a category within the firm, a large group of leaders who are involved with everything from marketing and business development, design, delivery, HR, finance, you name it. That's the group of practice leaders within the firm. And they really are responsible for driving creation of value. Everything that they do should lead to some kind of creation of value for the firm. And that's what we were hearing from Jessamine and Andy in the presentation that we just had, how they have enabled all of these leaders across the platform of the firm to be entrepreneurs and find opportunities to create value for themselves and for the firm. And an example of what practice leadership would be looking at is collaboration strategy. You know, who should we be working with to gain new insights and perspectives, both within the firm and outside? Who do we need to bring into the firm in order to achieve a higher value? That's the practice leader level of strategy. 
And here's a little example with the Design Trust for Public Space that was responsible for developing the concept of reclaiming the High Line. And you can see from their Who We Are page that they have a very broad spectrum of collaborators, which enables them to do the work that they need to do. So how can we think about our own firms and the kinds of collaborators that we might wanna have that would enable us to do a higher level of service, a higher level of value for our clients? Practice operations is really about creating value through development and integration of knowledge and resources. So driving success and resiliency throughout the firm. And it's a functional area, but it's still a strategic functional area. And an example of operational strategy is typically, you know, how well could we do our work? And what do we need to do in order to drive innovation and operational excellence? And a lot of us spend time worrying about, you know, what has just happened or what happened in the past, as opposed to thinking about what could we do in order to improve this in the future? I love that in Jessamine and Andy's conversation too, about looking forward and recognizing what has happened, but learning from that, moving forward and being agile, creating their playbook in pencil so they can adjust as they move along. Today, one of the things we'd like to do is to reframe your objectives, to understand that the future of practice operations is really not about the tools, information systems and resources that you're managing on a daily basis. And it's not the incremental change or even disruptive change that you have experienced over the last year, but it's about creating value. You know, how do you approach growth and transformational change? How can we embrace it in order to make it happen? And how can we mobilize all of our resources in order to achieve it? So it's a shift in focus from doing stuff to being able, being enabled and empowered to do things. Basically, firms have four key areas of developmental assets, ideas, image, networks, and capabilities. And last night I was thinking about this and you know, practice operations is really focused on intellectual capital, but it's also focused on relationship capital. And it takes advantage of intellectual capital because that's the knowledge that is used in everything that we do. And of course, your symbolic capital is the foundation for all of the experiences that happen within your firm, your brand, with clients and with employees. Just a little example. This is actually from a blog that's called First Round Review, which is mostly about technology companies, but it's applicable to our firms. And this is an example of what I've said is gliding on momentum. But there's another article called What Strategists Can Learn from Sartre that talks about it being being toward death, which means that the firm starts up, it goes through the growth period, it reaches its peak with great revenues, great products, great leadership, great talent. And then they don't change. There's no real significant change that happens in the firm and slowly but surely from their velvet rut they aren't able to capture the same level of momentum and they aren't able to achieve significant results and the end could be that the firm goes out of business we've certainly seen that in lots of businesses many in the design field that suffered from a lack of ownership transition but also doing things the same way without really embracing change. And one of the things that was pointed out in the article is that 
operationally, when we're focused on efficiency and predictability, we may not be willing to take risks that are necessary in order to foster transformational change, the kind of change that is actually necessary in order to have a successful continuation and sustainability of the company. This is a second diagram which shows the concept of optionality, the sweet spot of optionality, which is another way of saying opportunity. So what happens when we are looking for opportunities and we actually say, yes, let's go for it. Again, as Jessamine and Andy were just discussing. And we've seen this in firms, you know, the classic example is Gensler that in the 70s realized that there was a huge opportunity in, in the corporate interiors market and proceeded to build a company that was focused on workplace, which is a market that they named. And so that enabled a transformation in the company from what they had been to what they began to be. And there was a continuation over what is now more than 50 years of this kind of optionality and opportunity that enabled them to become a phenomenally successful firm. And we see this in small firms and large firms. And it's not necessarily markets. It could be a different way of working with clients. It could be an adjacent space. Look at what's happened with companies like JLL that saw a need and figured out how to create a firm in order to, to move that forward. So how do you measure success today? And in many cases, behavior is based on expectations from past experience rather than future potential. You know, what did you do as opposed to what are you going to be doing? And again, I love following Jessamine and Andy because they covered all of this with such wonderful examples. You know, thinking about what are the three things we want to do this year and how well are we doing it, but also how are you going to take that forward? You know, so yes, you want to talk about what has happened, but that's not the future of your firm. The future of your firm is figuring out what's next. This is an actual job description for an actual practice operations director in an actual firm. And about three years ago, we got a long job description and the firm was looking to hire what they called a contracts manager. And then after breaking it down and creating this visual diagram, we were able to provide a better way of looking at it that made it all clearer. But what's interesting about this is the level of integration that is necessary for this position. The fact that this is covering these four areas of practice and is checking in, it's like a hovercraft. So checking in to make certain that the gears are all working to see where any specific challenges might be or opportunities, and then taking that forward. And George, did you want to say something about this? Just thinking back through all the different slides we just saw, yeah, I think one, one thing that's important to note is that the things that tie this all together is, you know, operations is ultimately concerned with the future. And, and these type of, let's say, areas of focus, right, are all critical to think through in relation to time. Not so much just like, you know, the job is not as static, right, as this image presents it. It's actually like kind of very dynamic and those responsibilities are kind of changing and, and moving. That's great. The other thing that I want to point out, and this, there's a very slight color change in the background. 
one of the things that I've seen over the past five years, particularly, is the development of an energy grid in smaller firms that has not previously existed. And I think that larger firms have had the luxury of resources where, you know, they can invest in marketing and finance and HR and digital technology and all kinds of things. But it hasn't necessarily been within the possibility of smaller firms in the 10, 15, 25, 50 person range. That has shifted. And I think it's a really good thing because every firm needs to have an energy grid that allows them to plug and play. It allows everyone in the firm to come in, get what they need, and then go off and do whatever it is they do best. And the energy grid includes all of the tools, information, systems, networks, all of the resources that are available. It's the knowledge base, it's the tools, it's the communication and collaborative platform that enables all the work that we do. So not only do we need the strategy and the leadership, but we also need this platform of, of resources, the energy grid that enables everyone to do their best work. Marjan, I know we're, we're kind of uh, a little bit over time right now, and I wanted to at least answer one, uh, ask you one question from the audience that we got from this, because I think this is a good, a good place to, to stop. And you should know that Marjan's also going to have a really deep dive talk later on today. So please join her for that on the, on the office stage. So from Rob Hyde, how do we create conditions for absorptive capacity in the firm, turning innovation into augmented new fee earning businesses service models? So I think it's like basically how do you create the conditions for innovation to happen, for new ideas to stem from your team? That's a great question. First of all, you have to have a leadership that embraces it. Because if you don't have a leadership, then you aren't going to get the commitment to take on an initiative in order to be able to take it forward. I know there are a number of firms, I mean, smaller firms, it's pretty easy because usually it may be hard in terms of finding the funding, but it's easy to make the decision or to empower people to make decisions. I mean, one of the things that I've discovered in, in firms that we're working with is that you almost, you know, the, the old saying of you, you ask forgiveness rather than permission. When you have a really good idea, go with it you know, let people know what you're doing so that you can get feedback and you can get support and criticism. But the important thing is really to continue to work with leaders on what you all want the firm to be. And actually, we had a question on the question board about whether you and your firm have some kind of a future council some kind of a group within the firm, boards or meeting, informal meetings that enable people from a cross section of the firm to get together and talk about what the future might be like for your firm. And that's certainly a place to start when you begin the conversation, whether it's about justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, or it's about entrepreneurial business opportunities. First, you have to give it some air. And then you give it some space. Thank you, Marjan, for that uh, presentation. I know it was a, a bit of a, a whirlwind, but <laughs> I think the deep dive with you um, later on today, Linda, will be really fantastic. So please join her for that. With that, I'd love to pass off to Gio. Thank you both so much. What a great conversation. I personally love the idea of practice leaders having a role that's just meant to empower and add value to the firm. All about that. Fantastic. 
Hey, it's Chris from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. More than 200 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial today or watch a live demo with our CEO, Robert Ewan. Get started at monograph.com. That's monograph.com. Talk to you soon.